Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to another edition of our weekly Saturday morning update. Every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific time, I go over live what is actually happening with the market. What are the headline articles that are out there? What are my thoughts about it from somebody that has helped over 75 clients so far this year with their moves? And what is what are your goals? If you're thinking about buying, selling, or investing, you definitely want to be checking in and subscribing to this channel. So many of you watching are not subscribed. So do me a favor. If you're watching on YouTube or if you're not watching on YouTube, you're watching all these other streams, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, and so that you don't miss out on any of these important videos. Let's talk about the market updates of the week. The biggest one is the forecast. Bay Area home prices are set to keep falling in 2023. Here is by how much. After that, we're going to be going over... How do you potentially, what are some ways to be able to buy a home? If you may not have the full capital or you don't have the, you don't want to have the full exposure to buying a home, what are some of your options? After almost 20 years, we can see a development in Lafayette that took a long time to do. It's actually underway. And uh, we'll talk about some of the other things that are happening when it comes to the office spaces of what are the activities there? Are things going up, down, and some interesting nuggets that you want to know about. Good morning, Aaron. Thank you for tuning in as always. Fantastic uh, insurance provider that I work with. Good to see you. All right. Let's talk about the Bay Area home prices. And this is all forecasting. At the end of the year, I'm going to be giving my own forecast of what I expect to happen of the Bay Area prices, especially as those are either considered to buy, sell, or invest. But here's what the general stats say. Bay Area home prices are set to keep falling in 2023. And the question is, logically, by how much? People want to know, okay, well, how much longer do I have to wait? Now, this is a forecast from October to the next October. And for Zillow, they are predicting that San Francisco will decline the most, but how much? By 3.6%. Not a lot. Not a big amount that you may have been guessing. Now, some of the areas that still will actually be growing, Tampa, Atlanta, these other places, some of the other areas that they have also mentioned that make will continue to decline. San Francisco would lead the way at 3.6%. But they are saying like San Jose, it's about San Jose prices are forecast to decline by 1.8%. Napa declined by 2.4%. So this is from October to October. That is their prediction. Now, the question is, ultimately, will it just be a mild, mild decline each month to hit there? Will it be a very big decline and then it actually picks back up during that time? That's where people won't really know. Now, when it comes to California Association of Realtors, they estimated the California media home price will fall 8.8% in 2023. So they're expecting a bigger decline through about 8.8%. But that's also it's also very important to be mindful. How much have prices been declining already? Take a look at my last update last week. So you can actually see that prices have already declined 15 to 20% in the Bay Area. So if you're going to decline by another 3% or even an 8.8%, it shows that we're a lot closer to the bottom than we are certainly to the top. So for those who are all fearful, oh, I'm buying at the top. You're not buying at the top. The top was in April and May. And obviously we now know that because we're looking in hindsight, but that's what it is. And so here are a lot of the forecasts. I'd love to get your comments and thoughts with what you think that will be the case as we progress through the year. And as we see some, hopefully some stabilization when it comes to inflation numbers, you can see a lot of the inflation numbers and expectations have been declining uh, since. And that's why you should see interest rates have already declined. So we will see 
how this progresses. But these are all the forecasts that are, that are expected from Zillow and from different providers throughout. But I'd love to get your thoughts with where you think this may ultimately go. At the end of the year, I'll release a video with my predictions as to where things will be and where are the opportunities at that time. Now, for many, a lot of people have been thinking about what are ways to be able to buy a home together? Like, what are ways so that you don't have to be buying for yourself? This is actually how my parents came four decades ago. They actually started off by saying, look, interest rates back then were over 15 to 20%. Crazy, now that we are thinking about these numbers, we're complaining about 5% interest rates. But back then, they bought at 15 plus percent. And so that was very hard. And the standards of buying were also a lot harder. That's something to be mindful of, too. The standards of requirements are a lot harder back then, too. You had to put actually more money down. And so what happened then was instead of them can keep renting and just keep renting over and over again, and I'm just going to keep trying to outsave the market, they what they did was they, they bought a home, a very small condo with another friend. So they split that 50-50. Now, over time, like most assets, home prices do go up. And so they then sold that condo, they split the profits, and then they all bought separate homes from there. They bought separate single family homes afterwards, right? So you can see so there are many ways to do it. Now, of course, you have to be very careful. You have to know do it with someone you trust. They did it with someone that they trust because they, they basically um, kind of grew up together. And so, but there's plenty of different people that you may be in that position to do the same thing. Now, the key about this is just like in a marriage, if you're buying a home together, it's like a marriage. You do have to understand, okay, what is our exit strategy? Have that in writing. What happens if home prices go up by X amount? What happens if home prices go down by Y amount? What happens if somebody loses their job? What happens if uh, you, that someone gets married and you're not, you weren't married before, right? Like you want to think about all these different scenarios, almost like a prenup, if you want to do this to just protect yourself and to ensure you are thinking about all the things you can possibly think of. But it is a good way, right? I mean, think about this. For so many of you right now, you are living in an apartment or you're living with other roommates. You are already committed to these other roommates. The only difference is that you are paying the mortgage of the landlord. Like you're already living with other people. So that's why a lot of people are doing this if they want to merge together to be able to buy a place. We see a lot of uh, individuals doing this just by investment properties. If you have the money, of course, you can buy a house and then rent out the rooms, right? So you're co-living with others. But the idea is there's so many different ways to do this. And there's also a lot of companies that continue to be sprung out to be able to do, like, structure these different things. So be mindful of that, too. There are a lot of companies that are actually out there to help facilitate these things, whether it's from a legal requirement side of things or just um, or just uh, just the facilitation of process. And certainly... For myself as a realtor, I can certainly help you in the buying or selling of this in the Bay Area or anywhere else in the country. But it's good to know like there are so many options. There is really no excuse. The only excuse is for yourself to not be able to make moves regardless of your situation. So that's important. Next, let's talk about this. And this has always been a problem for housing. You always ask, why do we not build more housing? Because the reality is a lot of good... In the Bay Area, you can notice several things. It's actually not too difficult for a lot of companies to be built or office space to be built, but it's a lot more difficult for housing to be built, right? Especially in more expensive areas. 
So because of that, this is an example. It took 12 years and it's still not on, it's still not done. And this was just a simple 315 unit apartment building in the beautiful Lafayette area, right? So you can see it was going on for a long time. There's been different lawsuits, environmental qualities, housing, just the, 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 there's two different parties, right? There's one party, which is the government, which is the state level. They want to build more housing across the Bay Area, especially those that have some that are uh, low or moderate income households. And then on the other end, you have the other side, which are usually the, the people that live in the city that want to keep it and preserve it. And so they're going to always fight on, on that side. Now, at the end of the day, depending on the city dynamics and the leadership of the city, there is either a deal or just things get stalled indefinitely. I mean, check out Lafayette. Right. How many homes in that region, Lafayette, Orinda, Moraga, like how many homes in that region were actually built in the last decade? Like very, very few. So as you can see, these things happen over and over, especially in good areas like Lafayette is a very, very good location. Whether it's because of the housing or the community, it's just location wise, it's very, very convenient. Right. It's not very far from Oakland. So you see these happening over and over again. This is not unique. There's some approvals and then gets delayed and gets lawsuit that gets dragged out. So if you were a builder or an investor, like how would you want to do this? Right. Like you have basically the reason why it's also so hard to build in the Bay Area is you almost have to have a budget and finances like lined up almost indefinitely just in case this project happens. Because like, you don't even know just because you got this home, you got this land. 12 years ago, or maybe even longer, to be fair, probably even longer, maybe 15 years ago, you still couldn't do anything with it, right? So you imagine all that carrying cost if you're a developer for this. So you can see the developers for that have to have very deep pockets. They also have the mentality like, hey, look, one day this may happen. There's no guarantee this even happens. And so that's the thing when it comes to like, these housing situations in some very good areas. Now, let's talk about uh, corporate real estate. We're going to end things off with corporate real estate for this week because there's so many different conversations and so many things I want to I want to point out. So we'll talk about life sciences. And I've been harping on this almost week after week because the reality is life sciences is a huge market that continues to grow very quickly and very aggressively in the Bay Area. A lot of these companies are very well capitalized. Now, they are also impacted by higher interest rates, but not as much, especially because the valuations of these i mean the valuation of these are, are pretty extreme on one end depending on how you look at it but there's also a huge boom and bust type of valuation right if this is can certainly be fda approved or this can be sold to a larger entity like that kind of money is then multiple billions of dollars hence why a lot of these valuations even from the get-go of an idea is already over a billion dollars because the the opportunity that they can have can certainly be very very Positive. Now look at this. Venture capital funding in the Bay Area declined slightly from 1.8 billion, which is a ton of money, to 1.1 billion, though it's still significantly higher than what it was the previous years. Now, a lot of that money has now been into the life science arena, and a lot of the life science arena are not just pure digital. Right? This is not software engineering. A lot of it requires labs, testing, uh, a PhD that has some thesis of an approach to be able to do different applications. And as the merger of AI and the merger of technology and biology continues to progress, we continue to see so many tremendous opportunities. 
And right now in the Bay Area, we're some of the top few in the country. And we've always been the top few in the country, but that league continues to grow when it comes to these types of life science activities. So we're going to see, it says we're seeing a little bit of a slowdown, which is normal. We grow so quickly. At the same time, it's still increasing. Make no mistake. It's still growing and they still can't build fast enough. So those are some things just to be mindful of, of some of the opportunities, especially if those, some of you may be in the market for a job, like these are great companies that are still doing and growing very well. Now I want to talk about Salesforce. So this article is fairly a little bit older, right? Salesforce may eliminate more downtown San Francisco office space in the future. They've already been shrinking. They, they're going, I think, through they went through cuts recently. They're actually having some more consolidation. I know the previous CEO had left. Uh, so they're always revisiting just their overall footprint in just across the country, but especially the Bay Area. Now, what's interesting about Salesforce, though, is let me ask you this question. Did you know that the Salesforce tower was not owned by Salesforce? Did you know that? Most people do not know that because Salesforce had done a like, tremendous job on the branding of things, especially because Salesforce tower was being built. It was being built. Everybody knew that Salesforce tower. So people are like, wow, Salesforce is doing so well. They're so invested in the city. They're so committed to the city. They love the city. They want to change the skylines of the city. No. I hate to break it to you, but that's why Salesforce, and this is a, an old article, but it shows it. FYI, Salesforce does not own Salesforce Transit Center Park and does not also own the tower itself. What they did was they bought a sponsor, they did a sponsorship deal, $110 million in 2017. They mean rights on the building for 25 years. The way to think about this is like arenas, Oracle Park, Chase Center, things like that. Ch Salesforce pays. $50 million annually to rent office space in Salesforce Tower, or about $774 million for a 15-year lease. And a big part of that is the, is the naming rights for that tower. Very, very fascinating. Very, very fascinating, right? Because if it was, it would be very different if they owned the tower and they were actually making this move. If they Because they don't own the tower and they're just leasing like anybody else, but they had all the upside of the branding of the company, then they can keep cutting. The tower is still named after them, whether they use zero floors or they use all the floors. It's the same. It's still under them. So they still have that branding. And that was a pure marketing play, especially at this time. Right. And think back to 2017 and 2018. That was like pretty much peak San Francisco housing, peak San Francisco activity. Lifestyle was peak. So many people went into the office. Everything was like buzzing. And then now look where we're at. Because they didn't actually own it, but they got a lot of people fooled from it in the most positive times, which was very beneficial on recruiting and just having the recognition. Now they're cutting back. And I will suspect they'll continue to cut back, especially because of all the different uh, things that they have been doing over the last few years. So that's, that's some of the interesting things, right? This is the business side of things. Very, very interesting. They're the city's biggest renter, not owner. Fascinating. Next. Oracle. So Oracle, uh, they continue to uh, cut space, but it depends on uh, it depends on just the locations of where it is too. Oracle is still very big in the Bay Area. They are continuing to move um, resources out to cheaper areas, especially as they are not growing nearly as well as they are were in the previous times. But to be fair, they also had a ton of office space that was just 
empty. The one that's actually for sale right now is the one next to Intel in Santa Clara. If you've ever driven by there in the last five years, nothing really changed that. They never even used that space. That was a small, it was, it was a decent size, but it was like so underutilized. It was crazy. It's been over actually seven years since I was to that site. And at that time, it was already empty. And now like it makes no sense for them to have it. I'm not even sure why they kept it for so long. They probably kept it because they couldn't either didn't want to sell it, number one, or number two, they they're just making money off of it because corporate real estate land also increases over time. Right. So it's really, really fascinating of like why they even kept this Santa Clara location. Most of their, their hub was still in Redwood City, Redwood Shores at the time. Also, they had like a smaller uh, Pleasanton location. But it makes no sense why they even had this for so long. Maybe it was a lease situation. Who knows? Uh, but, the, but regardless, it makes a lot of sense for them to get rid of the, all that space. And we'll see what happens. Like there is some housing nearby. There's some affordable, affordable uh, housing nearby, too. And uh, it's a really good location. It's not very far from Levi Stadium. It's pretty convenient to things. So hopefully they can sell that and hopefully they can tear that thing all down and just build a ton of housing because then 53 acres can be a ton of housing. So we'll see what happens, but that will be a really, really good opportunity to be able to, to do that um, in that area. Very, very prime area, very convenient to a lot of things. And last but not least, let's talk about Meta, right? Meta has been going through cuts. They're, they've been trying to adjust and pivot as they continue to go more into the metaverse. So the question that people logically have is what happens with the Bay Area office space as they keep cutting? Now, there's two sides of this, and we'll see how both of them play out. There's one, obviously, the layoffs. They had a big layoff uh, last month, 11,000. That was about, uh, you can see, 11,000 was across the entire world. There was only 2,500 layoffs in the Bay Area. So that was actually way, way smaller. Not even about a fourth of what it was. 144 workers in Fremont. So if you know of Meta's landscape, they have certainly the huge office in Menlo Park. And they actually have been expanding in the Newark, Fremont area. But most of those people that work in that location aren't engineers. They tend to be more support staff. So, uh, so that's just the makeup of how they did it. Most of the engineers, those work on core products. They're either in the Menlo Park area or they're in the Burlingame office, especially if you're in the meta verse side of things or the VR, the VR side of things. You're likely in the Burlingame office. So they had both of those. Right. And they, they kept actually kept building in Menlo Park. They kept expanding that uh, they call it like almost like an airport terminal because it was like crazy long, um, crazy long building that just kept going on and on. Now, they make sense. They're cutting different spaces. Right. They cut New York spaces. They closed their Mountain View office. Uh, they may close, my guess, maybe that Sunnyvale location, which is where a lot of other tech companies are at. Amazon area. The question then is. They're rebalancing their overall portfolio. You can see they have 1.4 million square foot of office space. So they have a ton of office space. And the question, though, is they had the plans. Where is it here? Oh, I think they removed it. But either way, they had the plans to be uh, creating the new Menlo Village area. And so I think it's called Willow Village or something like that. And, but those are plans over the next few years. So it's going to be really interesting to see. They're cutting the different spaces now. What happened to those goals of building a whole lot more corporate real estate space? 
Will they scratch it all together? Because that was a very, very big project that they had been working on and discussing for a very long time. So it'll be interesting to see if they keep cutting other space because they had plans to keep using that and growing that. Or they may keep cutting space and then they may cut that all together. Time will tell to see how things progress from that perspective. But we will see. This is this is really too early. And that's still a project that's going to be multi-year project. Well, hopefully this was helpful. Every week I go over different news articles. If you want to see anything, send me a DM. Leave a comment if there's any topics you want me to go over. I'm going to be out traveling for the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be going to Asia. So I am escaping all of this rain and all this cold weather. But of course, I will still certainly be always available throughout the time. So if you have any questions or thoughts about the Bay Area real estate market or you want to start planning for 2023, send me a DM or you can leave me a call or text. 408-547-4590. We can still have a strategy call. And I also have my team still ready to go here in the Bay Area. But we're not going to have a we're not going to have these for the next couple of weeks until the new year. I'm going to be doing an extra release of videos on the Saturdays as replacements. So you're going to see two uh two videos a week at least. And uh enjoy the holidays. Stay warm and I'll see you in the new year. Bye now.